You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and I'm here today with my co-founder and business partner, Robert Westall, who is also the COO of Operatics, and Michael Hanson, who is a good friend of Operatics. And today, Michael will actually interview us. So we're waiting for your question and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Just to give a bit of context about why I wanted to do this today. I'm sorry, speaking to Kat, your uh, head of marketing, and Wiz. Really interested in this system you've got yeah. for um, the career path for, okay. for SDRs, BDRs, and one of the reasons we're interested in one, it's something that I've never seen before, and the second thing is all of our clients we're in the business of sales consulting, working with lots of chief revenue officers, chief marketing officers, and they're always saying the problem with SDRs is they always want to leave their role, right? They yeah. want to become account executives, they want to go into marketing, they want to do something different. And you don't have many what I would call career SDRs. So I think this is a big problem with the churn of the SDR role. And I think you've come up with this system to help solve that. So yeah, I would love to to hear from from both of you about, I think to start with, like, how did you come up with the system? Like, what was the the story behind that? We always come up with crazy ideas, don't we? (laughs) And then most of them don't succeed. But this one, I think we're on to something interesting. So I I think first and foremost, I don't (laughs) think we can expect... BDISDR to remain BDISDR all their life. I don't think we want to recruit that type of people who don't want to progress. In fact, ambition is probably one of the five attributes that we are looking into people. So we want people to progress. And if we could get that from the first interview, if we get people who are really hungry to progress from the first interview, that's really good. Career BDRs, we have some, we love them. We call them superstars, we call them legends. We treat them like prince and princesses. They are valued as much as our operation director, as our leadership team, pretty much. But they are rare, okay? This, 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 that type of individual are rare. They are excellent at what they are doing. They earn fantastic money, but this is rare. So I think what, what Rob and I were, were really trying to, to understand is how do we compete with vendors while throwing, I'm sorry for the word we use, but a stupid amount of money to resources that are sometimes mediocre, mm-hmm. okay? And we see people leaving us, they're not that good, and they go on money that we would never think yeah. about paying that type of resources. But I think there is a desperation in the market. So I think what we came up with is some sort of a system where we have talents, we want to help the talents. We want to help the good one to really progress through the rank. But at the same time, we need to be very clear about the trade-off we give to people. Okay? We don't pay the men, the most in the market. We are the middleman, right? So we've got clients. We've got staff. The clients are paying us. We need to make some margin. We need to invest in the business. We're growing by 50 60% year on year. You don't do that without cash at the bank, right? We need to make money. But... We need to make it clear to our employees that they should not come and join operatics for the cash element for making money, okay? They join operatics to accelerate their career, right? We are a career accelerator. We don't tend to recruit BDRs or SDRs that have a lot of experience. Well, in fact, what we are passionate about is finding diamonds in the rough and develop them, okay? But the reality is that if you take a diamond in the rough, they start with us, Within six months, their salary probably went up by 70% in the market. And in fact, we've got a bit of a target in our back with lots of recruiters and vendors and even clients. Sometimes we just see us as a big pond. But Rob, 
So that's, that's kind of answering your question as to why. Now, yeah. in terms of how we do it, I'd like Rob to speak about what he's doing with the Operatics Academy, which I think is very exciting. Firstly, probably worth noting, we, we tried a few career paths. We didn't always get it right. <clears throat> it took a few versions to find the one that probably resonated with people. Just to carry out, I guess, what Ray's saying, there's probably two reasons we did it. I mean, reps join us. You know, We take diamonds in the rough. We turn them into something that's very appealing to the market. Unfortunately, sometimes those guys get promised the world and it doesn't quite live up to expectation. So we kind of did the career path to kind of make staying with our practice a bit more appealing in that sense, as well as, you know, we kind of ripped the rule book up around the kind of salary side. We still have limitations around that, but it just gave people a kind of four-step process within the life of an SDR to actually see some progression within that, that world of an SDR where... You know, you can have leaderboards, you can have all the kind of gamification stuff internally, but actually having a career path where you kind of climb the ladder as an SDR was kind of what we kind of built the premise of the, um, the career path on. We're taking it a step further at the moment within the academy, the kind of whole end-to-end you know, employee experience within operatics. The career path is one of that. I mean, the career path of the SDR kind of then evolves into kind of the leadership side of it, with probably another three steps within that which mm-hmm. we can maybe come on to. But to kind of work through that, through the academy, right from the kind of entry-level selection process, you know, what does good look like for operatics? You know, we've kind of taken the career path a step further now where we've got a competition framework we just recently rolled out, which, you know, historically kind of the career path and promotions were interviewed, but were we really drilling into the competencies that people were ready to progress, even at the kind of career path level. You know, when you go from kind of the bottom of that ladder each step now has a varying levels of competencies that we've identified where you can actually, you know, are you ready for it? And through the academy, if you're not, but you feel you maybe are, the results are one thing that tell you you're ready for that next step as that, that next sort of level of SDR. But the competency framework now and within the academy actually starts taking you to kind of get access to content and learning yeah. before you kind of make that jump. I mean, is it worth touching on maybe the different steps of it? So I was just going to ask that, yes, you mentioned the four-step process. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I've seen it and I think it's brilliant, but for people listening, could you like run us through each of those four steps? Yeah, look, I think we've kind of got our own internal terminologies and then the kind of market equivalent. So what you might see our SDRs listed on LinkedIn isn't actually the same as maybe what you see within our internal career path. So the operatic terminology is you kind of come in as a rookie, you know, very green, varying levels of experience um, that we kind of see. We kind of pride ourselves again and maybe taking those diamonds in the rough with varying levels of sales experience. Once you've kind of done that, each milestone within the career path, the four steps, you've kind of got a qualification period of ideally six months. And what's quite refreshing, I think, about our career path is you don't necessarily have to do all four steps. You can actually come a rookie and jump right to the top level, which you call a legend, within six months. Now, you would have to come in and really hit the ground running to make that happen, but it's not to say we haven't seen it. We have some. Yeah, there's a few times between. But you go rookie, then you kind of come a prodigy, so you're kind of making your way up um, when you reach different kind of delivery milestones and other kind of behavior and attitude kind of bits and pieces that are in there as well for good measure. You then move on to a superstar, and then the final piece in the career path is our legends, which again, it's not an easy status to achieve, but we're proud to say we've got quite a few of them. The other kickers and things, I think we also try to make it interesting for those kind of superstars and legends within those varying levels of perks kind of kick in along the way, but there's other quarterly incentives once you reach that kind of superstar and legend status, which just makes it, again, another little gesture to say thank you for that consistent performance of yeah. you know, achieving that level. It's small things like putting that picture on the wall. Yeah, no. You've got the wall of legends. Right. And it actually means a lot to people. You know, sometimes it's not just a paycheck that matters. 
it's it's how much people are looking up to me in the organization, how yeah. much am I respected in the organization. So we really try to create that environment where, you know, we wanted to call that the rock star, which is a little bit, <laughs> we decided against because we're like, that's a bit, yeah. we are the superstar rock star, sounds a bit cheesy. But we really want them to be people that others are really looking up to. Yeah. It's quite lonely, you know, to be yeah. to be a legend. You know, it's someone who's, they work hard, they get, they, they are very good money, but they work really hard, they're at the top. And you need, I think, to have that recognition. I think at, at some point, recognition and money is as important. Yeah. And it's easier for the manager to get recognition because of the job you do. But when you are on your own, dealing yeah. with your clients, setting yeah. up appointments, setting up demos, doing demos, doing pox or whatever, yeah. it's, it's a bit more lonely. So yeah. that, that element of social recognition is key. Well, you're going to like the names because I've noticed with other companies, they have like business development associates or business development around so senior business, whereas this makes it more human, like yeah. the prodigy, legend, superstar. Well, we have got the, the business world at the you know, equivalent. So you've got your SDR as your kind of rookie equivalent, your SDR associate, your senior executive, XSDR. I forget now the order of them. But yeah, okay, there's a, there's, if you want to put something on your LinkedIn, you can't really go putting superstar on there. <laughs> Phone might ring, no doubt, but uh, yeah, you probably can't put that to the outside world. So just to go into a bit more detail on this, so how would they go, say, from a rookie to a prodigy? Is that based on like number of qualified meetings they're getting or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, it's all around, you know, not just volume, it's about quality as well. You know, that's a big part of the kind of career path. It's about that consistent performance. So each milestone to go from one, you have to achieve a certain average over a period of six months. So again, that's where you could come in, hit the ground running as a rookie, or you know, you start as a rookie regardless of your background and experience. Um, but if you can hit that average six month target for the legend, you know, in that six month period, you can jump straight to that milestone. Naturally, we see people typically jump from one to the other and kind of really go for that evolution of an SDR. But yeah, you know, there are the ones that kind of break the mold, which we see, which are great as well. Nice. Have you noticed that you've got like less China SDRs? They're, they're staying with you longer. They're happy being SDRs. Maybe they still in two, three years want to be something else, but it's not like after six months they're, they're wanting to do something else. You know, China is an interesting thing because when you try to get diamonds from the rough, sometimes you don't get a diamond. <laughs> so th- there is China that we facilitate and there is China that we don't really want. And to be fair, this is one of the career paths. We've got many venues that we, we are we are exploring. We are currently on the hunt and recruiting for a net of people to actually create even more career paths. But we go a little bit beyond that. For example, so Rob is running the, the operations, got operation director, operation manager, mentors, and team leads, and all that sort of thing in the, in the team. So there is also a path where someone could be a superstar for six months and then, you know what, I had enough. I'd like to manage people. Or they could be, you know what, I had enough, I want to become an A. Okay, or I had enough, I want to become customer success. And that is the breaking point. This is the, this is the issue we've got because we've got sometimes to deal with a little bit of this illusion of people saying, well, I worked with AEs, but their job seems to be pretty straightforward, right? They get big money. It's pretty cool. It's easy. I just sell stuff. I just have to speak to people, bring my AC, they do all the job and it's going to be done. They, they don't really see clearly what the role is, okay? And some steps... Okay, steps that you can take with just, you know, like a normal step. Some other steps, you need a ladder, ladder. moving from SDR to AE, you probably need a crane <laughs> to take you to the next step. So we, we've got to be careful, but we, we, we want to create this path where we can support our people to potentially have a taster of what it is to become a customer success person. 
what is it actually means and entice to be an A, okay? Yeah. Because the original idea is to say, we can't, re- we can't keep them. We can't, I think turnover in our business is inevitable. There is some sort of a conveyor belt of talent. And quite frankly, if we've got a good person that have given us 12 months, 18 months of, of their life yeah. doing a good job for us and they want to progress and we don't have the career path from them, it's on yeah. us. It's not on them. They've been good. They've done their stuff. So we also this year will support people to get out of the business. I know it sounds weird, yeah. but as I mentioned to you, we've got lots of customers who really would love to fish in our pond and get some of our talents. But the risk here is that they would move vertically. Yeah. You know, the move that we spoke about, rookie superstar legend, is kind of an horizontal move. Yeah. Okay. Moving vertically is much more difficult. You know, moving up. Because you need to learn some new skills and a good BDR, a good SDR may not be a good customer success person. They may not be a good aim. They may not like it. They may not be a good manager. You know, in fact, most of the top performers are not great managers. They are lacking a little bit of empathy, emotional intelligence. They don't really want to deal with people. They want to control their learning. They don't want other people to be part of that. So what we want to do this year, and that's, that's in motion, it's really to create that environment where we say to our staff, look, if we can't give you the career opportunity, and you see it's the end, let's talk about it. We'd rather be in the know and control and make sure that you are going to a nice house because that's the problem we've got. We've got so many good people who are being told, yeah, you're going to get stock options. Yeah, but I know. Take a little bit of a demotion. You come and join me as a BDR for six months and I make you an A. Three months later, we change strategy, we do channel, lost my job, no yeah. options are vested. Everything is a disappearing in their face. Phone is ringing. Would you have me back, guys? And we never take them back. We don't want to set a precedent. And it's not, you know, you've got to make a choice. What we are trying to do, which is, and the market is crying, junior A's, I mean, yeah. that's a shortage. You think, you know, we, we speak about the shortage of BDISDR. Look at the shortage of salespeople. Look at the shortage of yeah. VPs. Look at the shortage of everything. Everything is in shortage at the moment. It's mad. Everybody was kind of staying at home for COVID. We come out, hey, I want to work with some people. I'm mad. But we need to make sure that those people that we will stick our name against and say, these are operatic, so proof people. Yeah. When they go to a job, they, do, they don't just want to dip a toe and say, yeah. oh, you know what? Done AE for three months. Actually, don't really like it. I want to go back to operatics. Yeah. We want to avoid that. So we, we are trying to figure out a way to give them the experience of that kind of crane thing is going to the next step of moving vertically and just say, yeah. this is what it looks like. Because there is a bit of disillusion as to what the job actually is. I'm pretty sure some people look at Robert and say, seems to be easy. He's always on calls with clients <laughs> and speak to them. I can do that. Yeah. Right? They don't really understand what he is doing, but you know what it is? It's like everything you do. People will look at it from the outset or yeah, the outside, also. sorry, and it, it just seems uh, it seems a little bit easier on the outside. So figure skating. I was uh, my kid was watching the Olympics figure skating. They go like that. Speed, <laughs> so, oh, you should do three. The previous one did three. I said try to do one. They make it look gracious. It's like the swan, and then the little legs on the is going like that. That's the thing that sometimes people, particularly when they're at the beginning of their career, do not appreciate. Yeah. And I think that the issue we've got in the US is that people are confused between speed and actually developing themselves and yeah. they go too quickly and burn their wings. Yeah. And we've got less, less of that probably in Europe. I think people are a bit more cautious. But in the US, people would not hesitate to just take that big step. They're a bit more ballsy. But then, you know, the higher you go, the tougher the fall is, right? Yeah. So 
you know, the type of demographically higher, there's a lot of kind of urgency to want to be promoted, right? I mean, yeah. we, we, our culture is built on promote from within. It's probably one of the real essence of why we built the career path because still wanted to people to feel that they were kind of developing. And obviously yeah. partway through that career path, I mean, you talk about the superstars and the legend. They're sometimes the people that don't want the headache of managing our race set. Yeah. So kind of partway through that career path, there's probably something we didn't mention, is there's the mentor, the mentor role, the, t- okay. the sales enablement leader, the, the, the kind of equivalent title. But basically, they're part delivery. So they're still keeping their, you know, they've still got the finger on the pulse of how to do the job. But then they move into a kind of coaching role, which is kind of hand-holding our new starters. It's really that kind of first step on the road to leadership. Yeah. And again, the academy then supports them and getting them ready for that. And then you kind of move to this operations manager role where you start getting a bit of exposure to clients and people. Then your operations director, you start managing revenues and PLs. You basically manage your own company within the business. They have their funds and they, they, they manage their own PL within the business. So they are the business owner. In fact, this year, we actually didn't give them a budget. We say, you budget. You tell us what you're going to do. We don't want to push number on you. You tell us what you're going to do. And yeah, those guys are fantastic. I mean, it's, it's incredible how much they grow in three years. You know, these are people who were on the phone three years ago and now they're managing, I don't know, two, three million pounds. So equivalent of three to five million dollars business on their own. So it's pretty impressive. That's awesome. One of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about this career path is again another issue we see, I think. So we do a lot of training and coaching. So a lot of the SDRs that we train and coach, they come to us saying, Oh, we're looking for a new job and they're part of our clients. We have loyalty to our clients and we say, Oh, well, why are you looking for a new job? And I say, well, well why, why do you want to leave? I thought you were happy and you're doing a really good job. And they say, well, yeah, that's the problem. I've been hitting my target for a year, two years and I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get promoted. So I think my takeaway from that is it's like really important to set expectations like right from the start. So with your career path, like when you've got SDRs coming into the business, is that one of the things you're doing like straight from the start saying like, this is what can happen to you? People are really coming in with no false illusion. You know, they can clear, see a clear progression path. Again, we, we have to be realistic. The whole career path, it, it doesn't delay churn. We're never going to remove churn altogether, right? But yeah. I think, you know, we're covering that very much in the interview process, in the onboarding induction process, just re-emphasizing it. So it's, again, the, the rules of engagement are clear. You know, you do this, you will get these opportunities, you will get these financial rewards, you will get these perks. There's no false promises it's all there it's documented you've got a copy of it you can clearly see when you reach that milestone we make a lot of noise when someone moves from one 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 step to another i think people buy into it but ultimately you know we can't lose that you know we still want to push the promote within culture but this kind of just sort of puts the brakes on it a little bit and says yeah like, really really sharpen your saw really kind of work on your skills over the next sort of 12 18 months minimum and as we say we're even getting to the point now where the career path has evolved further it's well look even if you wake your way through the career path, we're being quite open and transparent. There's only so many opportunities we can create, you know. So now we're starting to look at that AE path as well, which is another step to the career path. So it's changing, it's evolving, but yeah, definitely kind of visibility and full transparency from day one. And we can't get off for everyone. The first iteration of the career plan, maybe we were doing it, we were not as clear to explain why people got promotion, particularly towards the operation team. And then you start to see... Obviously, as usual, Glassdoor, fantastic platform. People are saying, oh, yeah, don't think they are fair in the way they do things and blah, 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 which is, is really helpful for us because we try to be fair with people. And 
Glassdoor is just well, probably should that I should remove my login because sometimes you read some stuff and you're like, God, why? But the point that we, I want to make is that now we really, I mean, Rob created a scope of competencies. It is tangible, yeah. right? And and when you make it tangible and you say to people, okay, Mike, you want to progress? These are all the skills you need to meet. How would you score yourself against all of them? And again, sometimes you still have a little bit of disillusion, but that's the yeah. first. That's the first thing that people get. Like, ah, okay. Absolutely, it was much simpler than that. I didn't realize that you need emotional intelligence. What does that mean? What's emotion? What's EQ? And you start to explain and say, well, are you that sort of person? No. Okay, but maybe that's not your carapace. So for the people who are managing, in fact, I was on the phone with one earlier on this week. We have a lot of people that don't know what they want to do with themselves. You know, and, and I was the same. You know, when you are 20, 25 year old, 30, even sometimes towards the late 30s, People may not know what they want, but they still want us to help. And that's why it becomes difficult for us. So all those things are great. We've got to work from, let's say, 65, 70% of the people, they look at this time. You still have 30% of the population that don't really fit. You can't fit everything into the, the process. So we still try to help them. But the only people we can't help is the people who don't know what they want to do with themselves. You know, people who are just a little bit confused. So if they know and if they are focused, and even if their focus is outside of operatics, and they've been a good soldier, a good person of operatics, this year we're going to make the commitment to actually turn our recruitment around, you know, and push them out to the market, right? We've already spoke to some fantastic clients, and we know the clients that can develop people, yeah. right? We, we, we have people that we spoke to, that we worked with many times in the past, we've seen them developing people, we've yeah. seen them recruiting our guys because we've got to build and transfer our contracts so our clients have yeah. been doing that for years. But we've seen them developing our people to become A's, to become... So you've got this, and then you've got the guys who are just like, you know what? I don't want to wipe their butt. I'm just going to give them a $1.5 million quota, and quite frankly, you sink or you swim. Yeah. Right? So... We don't want them to go in the same swim or sink type of thing. We want to get them in the in a place where there is scale, where there is maybe not an academy, but at least also a career path. So yeah. we want to have find clients who are sharing the same passion we've got about talent. And if it's the end of the road with the talent here, we want to make sure they go to another place that will develop them. And what absolutely eats us apart, I mean, we'll speak at 10 o'clock, 10 30, so that guy is going to that company. Why? How do we let that happen? You know, he's going to miss two or three years of his life or our life or whatever, but you can't say anything because they look at the price and the price is like 10K more on their basic salary. Someone say the word options. I don't even know what they are. No idea about the volume, no idea about the class, but they told me options, so I'm going to go for it. And they are completely blinded. It's like people who are deeply in love. You can't say anything that you can't go through. So we're trying to create that environment because we actually mean it. And, and we want the people who started their career here to leave operatics nostalgic and as fun. Yeah. Because what we're seeing now is lots of our ex-employees coming back as customers. We've oh, been wow. at it for 10 years. And I think it's the most wonderful things that we can get, really. But we need more of those, right? And if you create legacy, it's quite charming when someone calls you and says, I'm just in town. Are you in the office? Would you mind meeting up for a beer? I never said thank you, but I'm doing that now. And, you know, you are a big part of my career. We love that. Right? That's, that's why we are here. So... We want more of this, and it's an evolving, ongoing development process. Yeah. We will never be perfect. We'll never cater for everyone. But yeah, we, we, we put a bit of an effort. 
you, you mentioned something there, which I think probably a lot of people listening to this as like leaders will relate to about like in the market, you have a good salesperson or like SDR and they get coached with this huge offer, but with like really unrealistic targets. Obviously they shouldn't take that, but they're young and naive and they don't know. What advice would you give to leaders in terms of the conversations that they're having with SDRs to help them see, you know, life's not about money, it's about learning and development? What, what kind of conversations should they be having with SDRs at that point? Well, fun enough, we've been having some chats this morning probably on that topic. It's kind of, you know, part of the, again, going back to the career path and coming to your question, I'll come to your question, but, you know, our frustration is when people go and do the same thing just for more money. <laughs> you know, we've kind of hoped to combat that by saying, look, stick at it for a bit longer. And I think the opportunity will be greater in due course. We have to trust the process. It's kind of for us, the conversation we have internally is, well, what story do you want your CV to tell? I think that's how we kind of advise and try and guide people. Which <coughs> even that's difficult to go yeah. through. You just tell them, you'll be six months there, six months there, six months there. The next time you see in front of someone, they'll think, you always have an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need on our own experiences, right? What we've done. And, you know, we've probably been tempted at times over the years in previous companies and whatnot, but kind of stuck at it. But I think it's actually giving people a platform to kind of, you know, check in with them, understand what their motivators are. You know, we've become very big on goal setting over the last 12 months, 18 months, you know, in lockdown, especially as we've lost a bit of the culture with the whole hybrid and remote yeah. working. Kind of knowing what makes people tick has become more and more apparent. Yeah. So actually being able to tap into that and use that to your advantage about how can them progress their careers. And I think when people trust that you're actually doing it for their good, you know, one of the most rewarding things for us with Ray said is when people come back as customers. I think people, we've got so many success stories of people that have actually trusted us and gone through the process and the promote from within culture and all that wonderful stuff, that it's not just a, a promise, it's a reality, you can see it. You know, you, you can see people have gone through that career path and it's achievable, attainable. They're not pie in the sky targets type thing. So I think that's, I mean, so it's, it's like, so you obviously have customer stories, you're like clients, but I guess there's stories of people inside your business that have like gone through that and you're saying, hey, well, look at Stacey, like she's had this amazing. We, we need to do more of that. So we, we don't want to be condescending with people, you know, and we, we try to, show them that we care about talents through actions versus words. We've been thinking about bringing some of the ex-employees that have gone through the path that we have. We've got some fantastic examples and we still help them. So we don't just help them once. You have know, got one that just gave me a call. And it's funny because it's an ex-employee that was recruiting and we introduced another ex-employee and then they got together and it's, it's, it's a great story. We had an alumni event and it's great to see all those things happening. But I guess... If you're an SDR, BDR, you started with us six months ago, you don't see any of that. You know, and, and some of them work from home. Some of them are based in the US. We can't be in the US all the time. So, you know, even if we've got the leadership team there, they may not appreciate all the effort we are making, but we really try to do action versus words. We may want to get some of the people coming because we have had people say, look, I want to speak about my very, very, very bad experience of having not listened to you and actually messing it up. I feel that I need to express that to people who are probably thinking like I was thinking back then. And we've been a bit reticent to that because we don't want to do propaganda. Either. You know, you've got to be careful with the, with the new generation. So they were looking, they were searching, and it's too late. So, so how do you prevent that before? That's all the things we discuss from the recruitment process, from the yeah. first conversation. Are you looking for money or are you looking for career development? Here, our trade-off, we won't pay you as much as a vendor, 
right? We're probably around 15% less, okay? But if you start without experience, in six months' time, your value in the market will be 70% more on your basic. That's number yeah. one that you get. Number two is that we probably would accelerate your career by 2x or 3x, okay? So if you join us at 23, by the age of 30, I can pretty much guarantee that you will be on six-figure or more salary. Yeah. Pretty much. If you stick to it, if you're a good guy. Obviously, if you don't turn up, if you don't do your job, if you complain all the time, if you're just not a good person, you know, you will never get there. But if you get to it, I can guarantee you that you're going to get there. And we've got some tons of examples. We probably have 12, 13 examples in the company of yeah. the wrong people we promoted from within. Now, it's about doing it at more scale and it's, it's, it's about people understanding that. And, and what we don't do well at the moment, because I think we need to speak about what we don't do well, is we don't create a safe environment for people to speak. You know, if you have a one-to-one, is with my manager, Mikey, right? Yeah. Mikey, you're a great guy. You work super hard. You're always at 8.30. You live at 6. You try to help me, but you're always on calls with clients. So technically, you don't help me. And the reason why I'm failing is because of you. But am I going to tell you that because I like you? Because I respect you? I'm not going to tell you that. I'm just going to tell you what you say at the end of a relationship. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> it's too good. I've got to go with that guy. I've got to go with that girl, whatever. And that's what people do. So when you get the essence of creating a safe environment where I don't have to go to Mikey for my review, but I could go to someone else who is completely yeah. out of the business, like going to a psychologue, right? You can tell, you can spill the bill of something. You can speak about something that you would not speak to with your manager. So that's the environment that we're working on creating with the other people. So we are expecting to really get to the essence of what we need to get better at. Because it's difficult to become self-aware is we, we are self-aware, but it's difficult to make changes if you don't know what the issues are. And even for our managers, a manager that is not communicating with their team may not even realize, yeah. right? And they've got all these people going saying, well, I really love you. You know, there's a bit of a tear when they're going and stuff. And it's like, well, they really like me. You know, what could have done better? We never get to the truth. So we want to create that safe environment where we do two things. First of all, we get to the reason of why people want to live. We still believe that people don't live for money. Yeah. We believe that they live for their managers. And we, I don't think we will see properly until we get to the bottom of that one. We also believe that people need direction. Yeah. And they need someone that is at their manager to say, you know what, Mikey? I don't think you've ever been a good AE. Because these are the skill set of an AE. These are the successful ones. And if I compare them with your skill set and your scope of competency, I don't think it's the right path. Yeah. I think you should consider that path, that path, that path. Other thing, we speak again in one month. And by the way, I can introduce you to a few people who are doing that job so you can speak to them and tell them about the things. We want to create that sort of things where people actually get a real idea of what it looks like out there. Because recruitment right now for SDRBDI and our people that are being poached they're not being, people are not trying to recruit them to say, hey, is it a match? Yeah. They are selling their company to them. Come and join me. You, you are at operatics, you've been there for nine months, you've got to be good. Something must be good with you. Then they will have like you. All right? So I'm, I want you. And that's not good. You should never accept a job without knowing what you step into. Yeah. You should never accept a job that you are not passionate about, you don't understand the intricacy of the job, you don't understand how your targets will be calculated. You should never accept a job for money. Yeah. Never. Money should be a byproduct of doing something you like yeah. and something you are good at. But try to explain that to someone who's, you know, get 20K more on their basic salary. Good luck.
Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't go through. So it's it's how do we create that environment where we can because we really want to help, but it's frustrating. It's, you know, I was on calls this week at 9 p.m. my time with someone in the US to speak about their career and just can't comprehend some of the decisions they make. And I respect that decision. I will support them because they've been good to us and I will help them in whatever they want to do. But I say to Robert, I couldn't say properly after that conversation. I'm like, I'm thinking maybe I've done something wrong. <laughs> it's on me. It's, it's just difficult. But um, it's an ongoing thing. And when we speak in one year, we should have a catch up in one year to see what, we, yeah, yeah, what she looks like. But I, I think we'll have much more. We probably will still not be happy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there you go. Nice. Yeah, definitely catch up in a year because I think this is such a hot topic and I think I don't think the market's going to change much. I think it's still going to be a very relevant topic in, uh, in one year. But um, there's one one last question I sure. want to ask. So I always talk about this analogy because I like watching football around AEs and SDRs. I think they should be considered partners and peers, not that the AEs, the SDRs boss, which sometimes happens at other companies. So normally the analogy I give is like the midfielder um, is the, the SDR. He's setting up uh, obviously, the striker who's the AE to, to score, right? So, in line with that, obviously, you've got to try and elevate the SDR profession because I think even psychologically, some SDRs feel like, oh, I'm only an SDR. And I hate hearing that because I think it's such such an important role. So, outside of obviously this career path that you were talking today, what are some other ways you think that we can elevate the SDR profession, both psychologically for SDRs themselves, but also like from a leadership perspective as well? Got to be one for Rob. He's a footballer. He's the he's a better footballer than the two of us. So yeah, he's a fantastic midfielder. Yeah, not, um, yeah, not so much anymore. Um, Finesse. That's a good, good question. I mean, we see it with our clients. The ones who actually value the SDRs and embrace them and see them as a kind of see it as a partnership, not just you know some SDRs go into those relationships probably feeling a little subservient, thinking their role is beneath the AE and that's that's the pinnacle, and I'm here to serve that. Person. We try to kind of, well, clients that actually kind of embrace what we do from the marketing team, sales teams, and the effort the guys go to. Because we said earlier, they're at the front of the sales funnel, right? There's nothing really happening without them bashing down those doors. Yeah. Especially in a lot of our clients, where you know it's, it's more account-based marketing going a bit colder. You know, we're not, you know, we've got to do some sort of inbound bits and pieces. But a lot of our guys have kind of got that tough slog of you know trying to generate interest. In terms of kind of promote the AE role, though, I think. How we do it on our side is kind of explaining to our guys in the kind of onboarding induction training and whatnot of kind of the part they play in the sales cycle. Yeah. So they kind of go into it with a slightly different mindset. How we can get the outside world to actually recognize the tough gig that they do. I mean, you'd think they were the way that SDRs are in demand right now, you wouldn't think you need to do anything. It says yeah. there is a lot of appreciation. I think that could be more about putting bums on seats due yeah. to a shortage. For sure. Uh, I personally believe that uh, a striker has got to be very, very bloody good if he doesn't have a good midfield. And I think the best striker get that. Yeah. I think the striker that don't get the midfield and will complain every single time they don't get the balls will never really score many goals. Yeah. I don't think they will have lots of career opportunities. <laughs> but the legendary one, they, they, they would get that. So, again, we've kind of... Verging into that clients, you know, when you've got a client sales team, you can't, you know, out of 10, 15 people, you will have two or three bad apples. They don't want to play the game. They don't really value the SDR. Maybe they have the chance to never have done the job in their life. Yeah. So they don't feel it. I think the only way to elevate the role would be for everyone to have done the job. You know, when we have clients who actually have done the job, the respect is instant. 
you know, and they understand the ups and downs from a psychology perspective. You don't have to explain. They've been there themselves. Sometimes you've got your mojo. Sometimes you don't have your mojo. Okay. So these are the best setup. The problem is the people who, is, who have never done it. They've never picked up a phone. They never sent an email. They would write a playbook though. They would write your playbook. Yeah. Yeah, sorry for all the product guy who are, <laughs> but they may be a product guy and just say, well, I, I write a playbook, write email. Have you ever sold anything? Have you ever set a meeting? Have you ever set a demo in your life? Absolutely not, but I know the product by heart. Okay, well, it's going to be a great playbook. No disrespect to anyone, but I think we have to give a lot of respect for that sort of function. I mean, in fact, the reason why I, I started at Operatics is because I really saw that starting at the bottom doing telemarketing back in the days. So I was looking at telemarketing or recruitment, but I was in the UK and I was like, if I want to cut my teeth, it's like military service. Mm-hmm. If I can prove that I'm good at that, I'm probably going to have a good career. And I was reading a lot of autobiography of people who've done it, door-to-door selling and things like that, become CEOs or investors. So I got into my head and that's why I decided to do it. I was supposed to be six months. It's been 14 years, so uh, it's been, been a bit of a spiral. But um, that's the sort of pe- that, that's the sort of thinking that people should have. You, you've got to think about this is the military service. This is a tough gig for people. This is very difficult, and only the people who have not done the job don't appreciate and respect the job. Yeah. Okay, so. I think it'd be good to have the strikers to play at midfielder as well sometimes. And, and, and I would be, if I was the CRO of companies and I would see my sales guy not respecting the, the inside sales people, I'd put them on the phone. Yeah. I know I pay them a lot of money, but I'd probably put them for a few days and just do it. Show me if you can do it. Yeah. Let's see how good you are. Yeah. Well, well yeah, I, I always say hey, you should generate at least a bit of their own pipeline. You know, it's 5%, right? Just so they, they understand. Everybody says Yeah. So, uh, a good one, do. Yeah. The other thing I say as well is if you start your own business, if they want to be entrepreneurs, some SDRs want to be entrepreneurs in the future, what's the first thing you do? You've got to be an SDR. You've got no business. I mean, yeah. Your own business, right? Absolutely. So, so, I'll do that too well. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for letting me, me host that. I've enjoyed uh, learning off you. Thanks, um, Mike. You can have course you just like give it. Normally, I'm, I'm in the office. That's pretty cool. No, but that's good. And let's meet up in one year time. Let's let's see yeah. what we are at because Rob is, is cooking a lot of little things in his little kitchen, yeah. his carrier pass kitchen. It will work, so we'll give it a go. Oh yeah, we're gonna make some. We're gonna fail some drastically. It's gonna be <laughs> fun. We're gonna learn from it, and we're gonna tell you about our learning. Awesome. Now look forward to that conversation. Thank you, Mike. Bye. Cheers. You've been listening to B two B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.